spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmaster. Save up to $22.50 per acre on canola with the Seedmaster Ultra Pro 2 individual row metering system. Today we have an update on grain market moves this week with canola moving up and some wheat moving down. We take a look at crops in the Outlook District. Real Agriculture looks at the Grocery Trade Report. There's an update on hail damage claims from storms in early July in Saskatchewan and there were two dozen communities affected by hailstorms in the early part of this month. And we have more on dot technology developments. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association discusses grassland preservation. And the NFU raises concern about consolidation among seed industry groups. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. Grain markets were mixed this week. Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial in Regina, Adam Pacallo, says canola is up $3 per metric ton this week, while Minneapolis spring wheat fell $0.03 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off with canola, it uh, was up approximately about $3 a ton, currently where the market is sitting, so uh, fairly sideways. On the Minneapolis wheat front, uh, it was down actually about three cents a bushel. However, one to note is actually the Chicago wheat market has had a bit of a rally here actually last week and this week, this week up another eight cents. So Minneapolis wheat hasn't been following, but uh, that might be one area for clients to consider looking at hedging. What pushed canola up $3 a ton and wheat down three cents a bushel? Well, the story right now that I've been watching has still been on the weather front for clients. So when talking about canola, uh, it has been upticking for the last couple weeks now. And the reason is largely due to the soybean oil market. So when it comes to soybeans, there has been demand news that has supported the market, but there actually has just been another heat blast for late this month, which has the bears a little bit nervous. So I think there's been some upward pressure there. And uh, a warmer and drier trend for the Midwest for the 24th to the 30th is possibly expected, which opens up the door for a bit of a soybean crop stress as it approaches actually the most weather sensitive time for the year. So uh, that's been kind of helping the soybean complex out, helping canola. However, I have been talking with clients about protecting new crop canola on this rally because uh, there are still some fairly good crops out there right now. Was the wheat decline then also based on weather? On the wheat side of things, that does have a large factor. Now, traders were actually disappointed this week with the lack of confirmation that China was a buyer of soft red winter wheat from the U.S. this week. So along with that, some overbought technical action on the Chicago side, that's 
kind of now possibly looking like the wheat market on the the Chicago side could go lower. And uh, to be honest, when it comes to the Minneapolis market, it didn't follow the rally higher, which makes me believe that you know there might not be kind of a rally coming into to harvest possibly. So that will be one thing to watch going forward. Yeah, that kind of resolves part of the next question, which is what's the outlook next week and beyond? Well, when it comes to next week on the canola front, I'm going to be watching to see if this rally can be sustained by the soy market. So that will be the first thing. And then on the wheat market, really, if the trends are looking like they could be pushing lower. So now when it comes to the Minneapolis contract, we're only about four or five cents from the contract lows on September now. So if uh, if it does get down there and breaks lower, then oftentimes, that harvest pressure could keep bringing it lower. Adam Pacallo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial in Regina. This segment is brought to you by the Canadian Canola Growers Association, helping farmers succeed for over 35 years. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. And brought to you by Selford Group. The summer early order program is extended through July. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. Crops in the Outlook area, about 235 kilometers northwest of Regina, are in pretty good shape. The crop extension specialist in Outlook, Kaylee Kindrachuk, says recent moisture has supported crop development. Generally, crops are looking excellent in this area as well. We've received decent moisture, um, we've got great weather, and things are looking really well and really good for our producers. Kendra Chuck says crop development is on par with the five-year average. Yes, I'd say for the most part, crops are right around that normal stage for this time of year. There's maybe a little bit that is further behind. We were just maybe a little bit later seeding, but for the most part, everything is looking right around normal. She says the area has received sufficient rainfall. Yes, we have received great rainfall amounts in the last couple of weeks, certainly down here at Tagaski and we wouldn't turn it away if it if it did came but we're very happy with what we've received so far. Farmers are monitoring crops for possible disease. Yes there is. During that flowering timing of the crops that's when we're going to be wanting to scout for diseases and we certainly have the environmental conditions that would be conducive for disease development. So right now is the time where we're right in the heart of fungicide season and scouting for those diseases. So that's what producers are busy with right now. There's a whole range of crop diseases. You betcha. So we're probably going to be scouting every crop um, that we're growing, uh, every field individually, and producers are well aware of of what they're looking for. Kindrachuk says there's been some root rot. Yeah, we are starting to see root rot showing up in the peas and lentils. Um, we started this year off a little bit drier, so we didn't see it as early. But now with the rainfall and the disease already present here in the province, we're seeing it show up a little bit more all over the area. She says insects are not a significant problem. We're not seeing much for insects so far, but in our pest monitoring program, we monitor for diamondback moths. And so we were seeing a higher amount of moths show up in our traps earlier this spring. So that's something that we're trying to guide producers to scout for as well. We're right in the middle of monitoring for our Bertha armyworm. Uh, Everything is looking low so far, uh, but we do have a few more weeks of monitoring for those as well. And then, of course, we're going to be watching out for the aphids in the peas and lentils as well. Haying is also underway. We're just starting down here. It's been fairly wet, so we're 
we're just starting maybe about 25% done. So that will progress as we uh, dry up a little bit in, in the coming days. Kindred Check cautions farmers to monitor their crops. As the peas and lentils are flowering and we're out scouting for disease, now is the time to also be watching out for the aphids starting to appear as well. Um, but we know that the aphids are, the, are soft-bodied insects, so they may be disturbed very easily by um, winds and heavy rains, but now is the time to be looking for those as well. Aphid issues can arise quickly. That's correct, yeah. And last year we were seeing them fairly late, and we were taking a lot of calls on, um, you know, staging of the crop and when should I be spraying. So let's uh, watch for them early this year. Uh, we may have a problem, we may not have a problem. That's difficult to, to tell right now, uh, but now is the time to be watching. Kaylee Kendrachuk is the Provincial Crops Extension Specialist based at Outlook. Her region covers a wide area from Tagaski in the south to Saskatoon in the north and from Davidson to Elrose in an east-west direction. This is your RealAgriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. And right now I'm talking to Kevin Greer with Kevin Greer Market Analysis and Consulting based out of Guelph, Ontario. Kevin, how are you? Good. Always like being on Real Ag Radio, Sean. Thanks for having me. Great to chat with you, man. Great to chat with you. Okay, let's talk uh, grocery business. Uh, You put out your June grocery trade report. Some interesting pieces in here. And we got our first glimpse from StatsCan of what exactly happened to food service sales during the early days of the COVID-19 outbreak. Yep, yep. I bet you can get, guess what happened to food service sales in April. See if you can guess. It is a spiral downwards, my friend. It's a spiral downwards. Oh, it's, 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 I mean, it's no surprise, right, Sean? But it's sad to see total food service sales declined by over 60% in, in April. And that's the first, that's the latest we've got. And that's the first glimpse we have, so to speak, of the full impact, so to speak, of the, uh, of the virus shutdown. Uh, March was not a full month shutdown, but April was. So they, the sales year over year declined by 60%. Um, Full service was down by about 80%, so that's not surprising. The sit-down um, menu, uh, restaurants, and so on. The the limited serve, you know, the quick serve, they were down 40%. So, uh, you know, bars were down 90%. So overall, like I say, Sean, 60% drop. And it's going to be really interesting over the coming months to watch and see how these numbers recover, right? Do they do they snap back? as we see a lifting or is it more of a slow process? You know, I, I, out here in Alberta, I've been to a number of restaurants uh, on weekends uh, with my wife for supper. And it's kind of a mixed bag, to be honest with you, Kevin, uh, from the, from the full service perspective, some, some nights it's pretty full and other nights it's, it's quite thin in terms of people partaking and eating out. So Mm -hmm. I, I guess it's anything but a guess at this point, but probably those, those restaurant owners themselves are really hoping that this is a snapback, but it doesn't seem to be that easy. Yeah. And even if it, um, even if we wanted it to snap back, I, you know, there's, there's, rules and regulations now in place, right, in terms of capacity and social distancing and so on. And, and again, even if there wasn't rules, I think some, you know, a lot of us would self-police uh, ourselves anyway, right, out of concern um, about about the virus. So um, 
I hope for their sake that there's a strong snapback. Um, you know, I've talked to some about how they're going to deal with it in terms of capacity and the impact on revenues because, you know, they have there's rules, so to speak, uh, in, in restaurants in terms of the necessary capacity and, and square footage that have to be, to make a go of it. So I said, are you going to raise your prices? And they said, well, you know, you, you can't really raise prices that well because of, you know, the economic circumstances, the competition. Um, so, they're, you know, they're going to be cutting staff of course there's the staff is not going to be there because the capacity is not there but yeah i i hope it's a uh it's a quick recovery but i don't think it can be sean and this all relates back to demand especially when we talk about the proteins kevin you, you remember when all of these restaurants shut down we we saw a, a big disruption to the supply chain is 50 about 50 percent of the consumption so from a from a protein you know, at the primary level on the farm, we need these restaurants that we need that food service number to spike back higher and snap back because it's our demand. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, but the flip side too, though, of course, is that the you know there, there was there was a big increase in in uh, grocery sales as well, um, but not nearly enough to make up for it. But uh, overall, Sean, if you you know if you want to talk demand, uh, demand has held up. Throughout this pandemic, in terms of uh, in terms of overall uh, meat volume and and pricing at the packer level, uh, I, I really can't say that demand has struggled that much. Now, like I say, initially, Sean, you're you're darn right. I mean, it devastated the pork sector because of what it did to bellies, because beef is mostly going to be uh, consumed uh, the, the middle meats at those sit-down uh, restaurants. Maybe I shouldn't be talking too soon, but it, demand has held up quite well this spring, despite the lack of food service. Um, going over the long haul, though, like I say, I think beef's going to be on the short end of the stick uh, because of demand, well, because of food service demand. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Canola and its beautiful bright yellow flower blankets the prairies every growing season with 20 million plus acres. There's one place you need to go to get all your canola agronomic information, canolaschool.com. That's where you'll find all you need to know about seeding, disease, weeds and insects, harvest and marketing. Engaging and informative content all at your fingertips when you need the information. Visit canolaschool.com, brought to you by Invigor Hybrid Canola and BSF Canada. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton and Watrous, New Holland. Working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devon at 352-1866. 620 CKRM farm weather for today, partly cloudy sky, 30% chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm, wind northwest 30. The high today 28, the low 14. Tomorrow cloudy, 30% chance of showers and risk of a thunderstorm, wind northwest 30 gusting to 50. The high 22, the low 12. Sunday clearing, the high 23, the low 10. Monday partly cloudy, the high 24, the low 12. Tuesday, sunny, the high 27, the low 16. Wednesday, sunny, and the high 30 degrees, the low 17. Thursday, hot again, sunny, the high forecast of 30. Normal high for this date, 26, the normal low is 11. The sun rose at 5.07 this morning. It sets at 9.03 tonight. And around the province, we have the hot spot, Esteban, at 27 degrees. The cold spot is Larange at 15. 
Estevan once again 27, Saskatoon and Swift Current 21, Weyburn and Yorkton both 26. In Regina with cloudy skies, it's 25, that's 77 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest at 19, gusting to 30. Humidity 62%, the barometer rising 100.7. Sunny and Moose Jaw 25, winds are from the northwest at 33. Once again, Regina, cloudy and 25, that's 77 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers, mcdougallauctions.com, and SMHI, crop hail insurance at cost. Online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. SMHI.ca. The Canadian Crop Hail Association says severe storms caused significant crop loss in the first half of July in Saskatchewan. President Rick Omolchenko says storms occurred almost daily and member companies are facing hundreds of crop damage claims from golf ball size hail and high winds. Well, we're looking at about 1,200 claims so far and they're still coming in. Uh, we're looking at where pea size to golf ball size hail. Uh, that was accompanied by heavy winds and heavy rain are also factors in this week of events. How severe was the damage? It went from very light to actually very severe. The tornadoes kind of were touching down in the southern parts of Saskatchewan, and that caused a lot of issues. The wind was causing a lot of issues. So some places we're looking at, there is very severe damage. It's not widespread, mind you, but very severe in the centers, and it peters out quickly. What were the hardest hit areas? We're looking in the southern parts in that Gravelberg, LaFleche kind of areas. Right now, like we've got communities in Saskatchewan, like we got hit everywhere almost. Uh, it's quite uh, lengthy, but Arborfield, Carrot River, Tisdale got hit pretty hard. Bedworth, Siemens, Whittlebunch, Assiniboia, LaFleche, Limerick, Marone, Neilburg, Unity, Vanguard, East End, Lintlaw, Strasburg, Torquay, Abbey, Box Valley, Churchbridge, Frontier, Stornoway, and Star City. Those are all communities that we have uh, listed so far that have had hail this last week. And adjusters will be starting to look at these claims over the next couple of weeks and waiting to see yeah. if there's any recovery? Yeah, we're out in full force right now. Uh, they're ins inspecting the fields as we speak. They're uh, looking at uh, areas where it just got hit and seeing what can be done and how soon we can get in there and have a look. Things are pretty wet. But there also is a lot of wind damage that they're dealing with at the same time. Rick Omolchenko is the president of the Canadian Crop Hail Association. We have more reaction today from Raven Industries doing field tests of DOT, the autonomous farming platform. 420 acres of canola was sprayed this week just east of Yorkton using DOT along with the Patterson Connect sprayer. Chris Morrison is with Raven Industries. There is just some stuff on the machine that we really wanted to improve and in, in order to improve it we need acres on the machines and, and testing and real-world testing. So we've kind of backed off from uh, really going going full after sales and we're just looking for good partners like Solenenko Farms that'll let us come out, apply some product, put the machine in the field and, and really get some good testing on it. Courtney Solenko was at the helm and provides this review. They had a nice aim system set up on it, so it just wasn't too bad. They mapped the field, the machine did its perimeters, started up and down, and pretty much ran the whole field, I think, flawlessly. Did an excellent job. Solonenko has 8,000 acres of canola over a 25-mile radius, and he sees that as one challenge that Raven Industries will need to deal with. And then that's, I think, where they're kind of working towards. they got to work on transporting it. Right now, it can't go down the road long distances because of speed and stuff. So there's some areas that need 
to be worked out before it can actually, you know, drive to the field itself, do its thing. That's why I think the concept is there. They're doing great. Technology is moving ahead very good on it forwardly, and I just think we're a few years away yet. Solonenko talks about the status of his canola crop. It's been flowering for quite a while already. We've been lucky in our area. We've gotten kind of showers here and there. Our main farm were probably three and a half inches. And now the last couple of days with the storms rolling through, pretty much all of our lands around that three and a half inch mark now. So the, the nutrition is there. The fertilizer is there. We've got the rain. And we can get a couple more showers. I think we're set up for a pretty good canola crop. Courtney Solonenko farms at Stornoway about 25 minutes east of Yorkton. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions, the first name you should think of in the auction business, call 782-5999. This week, Burger King unveiled a new ad campaign where they're claiming that lemongrass added to cattle feed can cut down on methane emissions from the animals. Amy Peck with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association says there still needs to be more research into the claim. Today we continue an interview with Amy Peck from the Canadian Cattlemen's Association who is telling us she believes it's a case of the company trying to reach every little niche in the market since Burger King has also joined up with Cargill to help save the grasslands. Peck spoke with reporter Cheryl Brooks. So it's unfortunate that there's some really great initiatives and, you know, this one that to work on, you know, solutions to reducing methane emissions from cattle, we do applaud that effort. However, it has to be based on, on sound science with proven results. Let's talk about the whole grasslands issue then. I mean, there was a film that was put together called Guardians of the Grassland to bring attention to the importance of prairie grassland. Cattle really play a huge factor in protecting that, don't they? Absolutely. So, yes, we produced Guardians of the Grasslands, a short documentary, together with Ducks Unlimited Canada and the Nature Conservancy of Canada. And it highlights how cattle are vital for preserving those landscapes. And it's actually uh, Canada's native grasslands are one of the most endangered ecosystems in the entire world. And the thing that's really preserving them is cattle, farmers and ranchers providing the economic viability for keeping those landscapes intact. Now, the the same farmer that I follow on Twitter who was talking about the lemongrass issue, she also said that grasslands absorbs any kind of emissions that cattle may give out anyway, which is why they're also critical. That's the important thing to know as well, is that you know methane emitted from cattle is part of a natural carbon cycle, and that's one that's as old as our planet itself. So the cattle consume carbohydrates in the plants they eat, and then that's converted to CO2 and methane by those microbes in their rumen. And then then they belch that gas out, you know, and 90% is belched, you know, regardless of what these catchy advertisements would have you believe. And then it only lives in the atmosphere for about 10 years. Then it's converted back to carbon dioxide, it's absorbed by the plants, and the cycle repeats itself. So, We can all be reminded that this cycle was ongoing when the large herds of bison, you know, which are also ruminants like cattle, were roaming the prairie. So, you know, in fact, in Canada, we've got steady or even a declining cattle herd. There's no increase of methane going into the atmosphere. So it's not really a factor contributing to global warming. When did burping cows become such such an issue is my question. 
You know, it's a it's a great question. I think it's a good target because only two percent of the population have any connection to farming or ranching. So you have this vast majority that have no idea of what actually happens in food production and agriculture. And so I think they can be led down a path that makes them believe that, you know, cows could be contributing when, in fact, it's exactly the opposite. Amy Peck is with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. The federal government has announced $137,000 in three new projects in rural communities in Saskatchewan through the Municipal Asset Management Program. As economies reopen, these projects will help communities make data-driven decisions about roads, water systems, buildings, and other key infrastructure. The arm of Edenwold, east of Regina, will assess critical unpaved roadways, as well as review of drainage and flood reduction in residential areas, and the arm's aquifer water source for future growth. Also receiving funding, the arm of Old Post, based in Wood Mountain, will look at roads, bridges, and other municipal infrastructure, including utilities. The town of Hague, Saskatchewan, will update the town's asset management plan and check sewer mains. A planned amalgamation of five seed industry groups is raising some eyebrows and stirring fears that independent seed growers could be pushed to the sidelines. The five are collaborating under the name Seed Synergy and are proposing to dissolve themselves and form one new large organization. Kathy Holtzlander is the Director of Research and Policy with the National Farmers Union, and she's expressing concern about big seed companies pushing up royalty rates. They're looking to um, increase how much control uh, they have over the seed system, and they would achieve that by getting the regulations that govern our seed system changed through uh, very strong lobbying efforts in Ottawa and uh, influencing the um, uh, federal government. So in order to do that, they want to create this new organization, dissolve the old, the five old organizations, and uh, create this new uh, organization. Holtzlander is worried big seed companies may have expanded control over the seed industry with seed growers pushed out of any control. Holtzlander says in places where corporate control of seed is more prevalent, such as the U.S., independent growers aren't as common. Voting on the proposal started July 15th and wraps up August 27th. She says it's being held online. The people who can vote on this are the uh, pedigreed seed growers who are members of the Canadian Seed Growers Association, and they would be members through um, their involvement in in their provincial organization. And so they would have received a package in the mail, and uh, then they can... They can um, vote up until August 27th. And so what we want to do is have those people have their eyes open, uh, consider what this uh, could do to their future, um, and also keep in mind uh, the farmers who are their customers uh, who uh, would, would like to buy seed from their from their neighbors and uh, and su- and support their independent seed growers uh, uh, continued um, businesses, but uh, but we're concerned that if this Seeds Canada amalgamation goes ahead, uh, we may lose that. That's the National Farmers Union's Kathy Holtzlander, the director of research and policy. Market update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. 
Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra's prices for canola rose $4.50 at 4.4548. Number one red spring wheat dropped five cents at $222.26. The rest unchanged. Durham 266.39. Feed barley 195.70. Flax 528.85. Lentils 612.50. Oats 248.16. Yellow peas, 251.89. Feed wheat, 172.88. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, September spring wheat is down one cent at 5.14 and a quarter cent a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Now the latest livestock quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moosha. 320 on offer to our Tuesday, July 14th sale. The cows look two to three lower than last week. The big bulls are continuing to sell very, very strong here in the summer months. The late running yearlings have sold steady. Pre-sorted yearling sale here Tuesday, August 18th. These good cows, 83 to 92. Sales right up to 96, 97 bucks on them real top, top end cows. Medium cows, 78 to 84. The good big bulls from 119 to 133. Tim Corcoran and Kathy out of that Avonlea country. Charlay bulls weighed on, right on a ton, bring 136 and a quarter. The better pairs from 19 to 2200 bucks. Sales here every Tuesday for the summer. This has been Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. The latest Saskatchewan pork prices, Sig 4 Brandon, 125.90. And BP4 TCP4, that's the Moose Jaw Plant, $140. Coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. Stats Canada says wholesale sales were up 5.7% in May, following a historic decline of 21.4% in April. That failed to meet analysts' expectations of an 8.5% jump. The federal agency says sales came in at $52.6 billion, as six of seven subsectors recorded higher sales. It says the biggest gains came in the building material and supplies and the motor vehicle and motor vehicle parts and accessory subsectors. The federal government will unveil long-awaited changes to its COVID-19 emergency wage subsidy program this afternoon. Finance Minister Bill Morneau is to announce the changes after the program's budget was boosted to $82.3 billion from $45 billion. The program was earlier extended to the end of the year. The government has been under pressure to ease eligibility rules around the drop in revenue so more companies can qualify. Gains in the materials and industrial sectors helped power Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading today, while U.S. stock markets were mixed. The TSX composite index was up 60 points at 16,085. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 41 points at 26,693. The Canadian dollar traded at 73.65 cents U.S. compared with 73.84 cents on Thursday. The September crude oil contract was down 28 cents at $40.65 a barrel. That's the Resource Report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Monday morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.